Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Glad to have everybody here. Uh, Thank you uh, to our wonderful guests we have today. we want to welcome uh, Dr. Kelly Dorr, uh, who is uh, at Altus uh, Assessment and uh, is an expert on Casper and Duet and, uh, and, and other things that are going on and can really give us insight into, into that. We also have uh, with us today uh, Dr. Dana Dunleavy, and we're, we're really excited that you're here from the AAMC uh, to address the, the issue of uh, preview. Uh, the uh, the uh, uh, situational judgment uh, test from the AAMC, and so welcome to uh, to the two of you. Well, All thanks right, for, thanks for having us. So yeah, excited, pleasure. Absolutely. Well, uh, Dr. Kelly Dorr, you and I go way back um, th- through thick and thin uh, through the first couple years of National Pre Med Day, now called MAPTCON. Um, so you've you've talking about Casper. Uh, um, Snapshot duet previously, uh, Dr. Dana Dunleavy. I'm excited to have you on for the first time representing the AAMC to talk about preview, which is new to the arena of situational judgment tests for pre-med students. But this is not a like one day you woke up and you're like, I'm going to release preview. Talk about the you guys have been working on this for a long time. Talk about the the journey this this um uh, this brain idea that came out uh, of the AMC. Well, absolutely. So first of all, thanks for having us. We're really excited. I'm really excited to be here and talk to all of you about the preview exam today and hear the questions from the audience. Um, Ryan, you are right. This has been a project that has been a long time coming. Um, in fact, the preview exam started about a decade ago, um, way back, for those of you who remember, um, when the AMC was redesigning the MCAT exam. Mm. And back then, the committee that was redesigning the MCAT exam did uh, many conversations and surveys and focus groups and such with medical schools, and they realized there was a gap in the existing tools that are available for selection into medical school. And at the time, the gap was that there weren't... Um, tools that were designed to assess personal competencies that are important for success um, in medical school. CASPER at the time was really, I think, not even um, a launched tool at that time. And so um, 
the AAMC looked around and we realized that there was a need to develop um, another type of assessment. And so over the last 10 years, we've been working with medical schools um, to develop and study the preview exam, the situational judgment test that is designed to measure core competencies for entering students um, and to give them an opportunity to showcase how they have a lot more to offer medical schools than that scientific knowledge. Yeah. And, and that's always been a, a big complaint, I think, among pre-med students is everyone only cares about my GPA, my MCAT score, but but I'm an amazing person. I have lots of empathy. I think I have uh, or will have good bedside manner when it comes to taking care of patients. And doesn't isn't that what really matters, Dr. Dorr? When it comes to Casper, how are you capturing that ability to show medical schools, look at me outside of my stats? Absolutely. I think that's, you know, sort of the, the key question here probably for a lot of the potential applicants as well is, what does this score mean and, and how does it impact, you know, and, and uh, be used with all the other tools that exist out there for, for med school programs? And so one of the things I want to highlight is that, and as the co-creator of Casper, I can say this, it is not a silver bullet. It is not meant to say everything about you as an applicant, <laughs> but what it is, is really meant to help. Uh, project a bit broader picture of who you are as an applicant to these schools. So the schools are going to use these tools in association with GPA, your MCAT scores to get that holistic picture of who you are. As, as Dana talked about, you know, there was this huge gap in what it is that we were trying to measure early on in the application process, especially for applicants. And, and you know, that was actually the impetus for creating Casper in the first place is that we didn't have that gap. We didn't have that understanding of who was likely to be successful. And so that's where with Casper, we're trying to ensure and the data shows that we can use that information to help schools understand both who might struggle in these areas of personal and professional attributes, but also on the higher end, who's going to excel, who's demonstrating that potential so that when they see the high Casper scores, in addition to your awesome GPA and your MCAT scores, what they know is that you're going to be holistically successful at medical school because it's not just about your grades um, as you go through. It's, it's about your bedside manner. It's about really serving the community, which is why we're all here in the first place. It's, it's making sure that we're actually serving our population. Yeah. So there's a, a big difference right off the bat between Preview and Casper. Dana, Preview is a kind of a multiple choice type uh, test where you're given a question and your your answer just to uh, the answer you're you're told to give an answer based on like uh, and I forget this specific language like least likely or most likely or most helpful least helpful um, kind of scale for each question. That's very different than Casper where you have kind of written responses and video responses now to an answer. What was the the thought process behind creating a situational judgment test that was kind of multiple choice? Yeah, this is this is a great question. It's one a lot of people ask us. I mean, I tell you, the answer is a little what we call um, it's a little in the weeds. It's a little <laughs> scientific in nature, so I'm going to try to keep it at a high level so I don't bore everybody. Um, but the basic idea um, is that you know this preview exam is designed to measure core competencies for entering medical students, and we know that uh, based on 
50 years plus of research coming out of the employment literature that there is a strong basis for situational judgment tests that use this exact format. So a format where you present a dilemma and the examinee is asked to think about the dilemma and identify how they would respond to um, to resolve the dilemma. And so the approach that we decided to take was really grounded on the fact that we had a lot of literature, a lot of prior practice um, indicating that this approach is successful. Um, it's a fair approach. It's what we call reliable and valid, meaning that um, the score is fair and it has consistent meaning across examinees. Um, and importantly, it allows us to really target in on what we're measuring. We really wanted to target in on examinees' knowledge of effective and ineffective behavior. And we didn't want to have any other um, information um, into enter into that measurement. And so we thought this approach would really allow us to zero in and get the best measurement of those core competencies for entering students. Yeah. One of the, uh, the big things with preview, again, having that kind of scale, ineffective and effective, uh, and the range in between, the the answer key, which was interesting that I learned when I went to the discussion at, at the advisors meeting, was that the answer key is kind of created from uh, attending physicians, faculty members, uh, people who are kind of in the space now. And, and I thought about that. And I was like, as a and and almost everything I try to do, I I try to put myself back in my pre med self, mm-hmm. and I I wonder how fair is it as a pre med student to be graded on something that like me in the future would say versus me now. This is a this is another good one. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. If I don't answer your question, Ryan, just redirect me, okay? I will. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So we do a couple things to ensure that what you just said doesn't happen on the test. Mm. Um, We we also agree with you. It wouldn't be fair to ask students to demonstrate knowledge that they haven't gained yet because they're not in medical school on this exam. So we take a couple steps to prevent that from happening. One thing that we do is when we're developing the content of the test, we have all of those items reviewed by medical school experts. So these are folks that are admissions officers, faculty, student and diversity affairs officers, and they look at all of the test questions and they verify that the knowledge that's needed to answer the question is appropriate for a pre-med, meaning you don't need to have um, experience in a healthcare setting or have started medical school in order to answer these questions correctly. Um, the other thing we do, and you already mentioned this, we have those or a similar group of folks uh, help us create the scoring key. And when those folks are creating the scoring key, they go through a pretty intense training and they have um, conversations with our experts as well as with each other. And during those conversations, they're really offering checks and balances against each other. And they're challenging each other about what that scoring key is to ensure that we don't inadvertently introduce knowledge about healthcare or knowledge that you gain in medical school when they're creating that key. Got it. Perfect. That That is the perfect answer. I, I, I appreciate right. it. Um, Dr. Dorr, the Casper very different kind of way that things are scored. You have a whole team of human reviewers looking at things. And again, the the way that the the answers are given is very different. It's not multiple choice. It's written out. It's it's video interviews now that you've interviewed introduced. Um, talk about the thought process behind 
that style of of answer system it obviously adds a lot of workload on on your part at on Altus's part to be able to score all of those exams. Mm-hmm. What is the benefit of that? And and doesn't that also introduce a lot of individual bias of all of these people looking at these answers, going, oh, "I don't agree with that. That's wrong." Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question, Ryan. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we we definitely took something and and approached it a little bit differently. That was the intent behind this. So when we were looking at the literature, one of the things that we noticed is that these complex professionalism dilemmas, there's lots of shades of gray in them, Um, which means that, Ryan, if you and I were looking at a scenario, we've gone through different life pathways, we've had different experiences, um, we're not going to answer that the same way. We shouldn't because we're going to all take our own approach. So rather than, you know, I, I think preview focuses on sort of the knowledge component, and this focuses on something slightly different um, and complementary, which is more, what do you, what would you do in that scenario? And why would you take that course of action? So when they see this complex professionalism scenario, what we know is that even when you put experts in the room, it's super hard to get them to agree on the single right answer. And so we took away that concept of having a single right answer that you had to nail in order to get a good score. That's, you know, what we tried to take away. And rather, we with the open-ended responses, it allows people to bring their life experiences and pathways into understanding what they would do and why that take a course of action. So, Ryan, you and I might end up at the same course of action, but we might do that for very different reasons. You know, maybe yours is more appropriate than mine, or, um, you know, maybe they're both appropriate, but we end up at slightly different endpoints, and both of those are okay. So we do a lot of uh, vetting, just as Dana talked about with their scenarios. We do a very similar approach. Ours are more everyday scenarios. So they aren't developed necessarily by um, people within the healthcare system. We took that away mostly because we were trying to find a solution to personal statements. And with personal statements, you know, there can be a lot of bias that comes in if, for people who have knowledge of the healthcare system, et cetera. And so rather we took the approach of how do we create everyday scenarios that are relatable to everybody who's applying to medicine to remove that bias as we've talked about, um, and then provide a way for them to respond to it. Now, as you said, we're left with the complexity of rating these things, which is something we tackled very, very, very early on. And our solution was rather than to put these responses in front of a group of medical professionals, rather we would train raters who are representative of the population that all of you will one day serve when you become physicians. And they're meant to be able to evaluate the personal professional attributes of what you're responding to without taking into account, you know, knowledge of the healthcare system and things like that. It does require a lot of training and a lot of quality assurance, which we do to ensure that we're mitigating bias at every step along the way. And to answer your one other question, I'm sure many uh, listeners are familiar with the multiple mini interview uh, or the MMI. Also your brainchild. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy Canadians. The concept is very, you can see there's similar concepts here where we took the, the idea of multiple independent assessments where you have a rater per scenario so that you're not getting a 
all of the bias in there, you're actually spreading it out across. So combined with training and combined with these multiple independent ratings, we've been able to show across both the Casper typed and AV that we're at very small or negligible levels of bias. You won't hear me say no bias because I don't think you can actually test that. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's a fair thing to ever say. And so we're able to get there, but we constantly do quality assurance on this. It's something that we're, we're looking at. The other nice thing I'll say about that is, and I just want to highlight this to your listeners, if you feel you came across a scenario and you don't feel like you knocked it out of the park, the good thing is that raider's never going to see you again. Uh, so it's a completely new raider, new person. Take a deep breath and take a fresh start on the next scenario. Same advice for the MMI, just yep. to highlight Sa that. Same exact advice. So in terms of scoring, um, uh, Kelly, I'll, I'll keep it at you for a second mm -hmm. and then we'll go to Dana. The, the way that the Casper is scored, would you say that, uh, the, the way that I talk about it is showing your work, right? For like elementary school math. Um, you, you may get the wrong answer, but you showed your work and you did a really good job showing your work. So you're going to get partial credit. How, how much is it about the answer versus the work to get to that answer? You know, I, I've, this is something I, a conversation I've had with lots of people and your why is really important, not just your, what you would do. Um, and so that ability to, you describe it as show your work. I talk about it as, you know, letting who you are actually come through mm -hmm. is, is very important because what we know is that, um, your, the scores for Casper are scored relative to your peers, right? So it's not if you're in the lowest uh, quartile of Casper's, not that you failed. You didn't, it is not a reflection of the number of scenarios you got right or wrong or anything like that. It's your performance relative to your peers. Mm. Um, and so it's part of what we want to encourage applicants to do is not only just talk about, you know, how I would respond in that scenario, but to actually unpack their thinking around that and talk about why that course of action is appropriate. Because what that allows you to do is show much more than just you know a single, this is what I would do. It allows you to really highlight your understanding of the complexity of these issues and the way that you're approaching them. Yeah. Uh, Dana, for for preview, it, it is a scaled answer uh, response. If someone doesn't nail the answer directly and they're they're off by a bubble or two on that scale, <laughs> is it is it a right or wrong, yes or no? Or is there like if you get it right, you get 100%. If you missed by a little bit, you get a little bit less. How does that scoring system work? Yeah, so the scoring system, as you mentioned, um, we do have this rating scale, and we score the exam based on the extent to which the applicant's rating of effectiveness aligns with the medical school educator's uh, ratings of effectiveness. So um, to the extent that you are closer to the medical educator's rating, the more credit that you receive um, on the preview exam. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's not an all or none. There There's a, a spectrum there potentially. Correct. And then for preview, uh, obviously, you've been working with medical schools, uh, helping them figure out how to best uh, use this data and what data would be most useful in communicating with them, the, the AMC and the preview team. What is the communication in terms of here's how you should use preview in the admissions world? Is, is there set communication from the AMC or do you leave that up to the, the schools? Oh, well, yeah. 
Um, so we leave a lot up to the schools, right? Like the, the AAMC can't mandate schools to do anything. Um, schools have their own processes and policies based on what's best given their school's mission and their own unique needs. Um, but what we do and what we think you know, is our responsibility um, is to provide guidance about appropriate use of the test. And so we provide um, a, a variety of guidance to the medical schools. So some of that takes the form of training where we would offer, say, a training session to their admissions committees. We also provide specific information for them about how to incorporate or what we think is the appropriate way to incorporate preview scores based on what we know from um, from the literature and from holistic review. So I'll give you a quick little primer on it. Um, what we suggest is, is much like Kelly said earlier, um, we really emphasize that the preview score is designed to measure examinee's knowledge of pre-professional um, competencies and what's important for success when they enter medical school. Um, and that it's also not a silver bullet. It's intended to be used alongside of other information. We really do encourage them to triangulate information from the application and look at what they're learning from preview. Keep that in mind as they look at experiences, as they look at personal statements, and as they look at the interview. And we think that it's with all of that information together that they're going to get a more a clear and holistic picture of who the applicant is and what that applicant um, is prepared to learn in medical school and who they can develop into as a physician. Um, the other thing I would point out is that since this is a new test, um, it's only been uh, in use in medical school admissions. This is really the third year. We do talk to schools about how when there's a new assessment out there, you need to bear that in mind. Um, we've done 10 years of work on this test, and we have a lot of information about how it's related to success in medical school and why it's important, um, but it's still new at individual schools. And so they shouldn't put outsized weight on it when they're reviewing. Um, they should use it, again, in consideration with other tools, and they should use it really as a plus factor and use it to um, draw attention to folks that they might have otherwise overlooked and where they can see that there's someone who might have a different set of strengths that they wouldn't have seen before without this score. Yeah, love it. The the students that, that I see, they're on Reddit, Student Doctor Network, on in Facebook groups, wherever, uh, <laughs> wherever I see them. Uh, a lot of them, when they get their scores back, uh, historically it's been, I, I scored bottom quartile of Casper, and now it's like I scored really low percentile on on preview. Am I dead in the water here? What's going on? Uh, Kelly, I, I know you talk a lot about um, kind of the guidance that you give to medical schools, and it sounds like, Dana, very similar is it's a, a value add, not a anyone below this this threshold, you should just throw the throw out their applications. Talk about the, the guidance that, that you typically give uh, medical schools from from Altus. Yeah, I think that I, it's so important to understand that, you know, this is not meant to be a hurdle that's put in front of students as something that they must overcome. Unlike how many schools use GPA and MCAT, this isn't meant to be a cut or filter down of, you know, the lowest performers. In fact, those in the lowest quartile are still very eligible for interview and getting into medical school. You, you know, please understand that because it's a data point. So we encourage schools, you know, when they use that data point that, you know, there's there's may want to dig into other parts of your, your submission and your profile, getting to know you a little bit more. Very similarly, those who score in the high 
quartile. We want those to, you know, be used to bring in strong performers and maybe prioritize for interview or move them along further in the process. But really one of the things that we want to highlight is a low score or low quartile doesn't mean you failed. Um, it doesn't mean you're a horrible human being. Definitely, <laughs> it doesn't mean that. And that you're very, very, very much still eligible for admission to medical schools, for interviews into medical schools, um, and to pursue your passion because it is one piece of data. And that's something that we try and highlight not just to applicants and to advisors, but to the schools themselves. So in addition to having, you know, sort of recommendations that we provide for them, we also have a research team that works one-on-one -on -one with these schools to help them really understand how to put all these pieces together in a way that serves their mission because at the end of the day you know that's the the thing that's most important and people can get overwhelmed by a single score and overly focused on that so just reinforcing those messages yeah from the pre-med perspective the casper preview mcat obviously casper preview being kind of the newest members of the application process it just seems like more and more and more uh both time commitment wise stress wise financial uh responsibility wise, do you see at some point, and I know Kelly asked you this recently, Dana, do you see at some point, like, is there a possibility that preview and Casper or some combination of that can get rid of other parts of an, of the application process, maybe letters of recommendations instead of very subjective uh, letters of recommendations from, from letter writers. We have these tools now with preview and Casper to go, here is the students, uh, here are the students' competencies. Here's who this student is versus uh, like well-tested and, and uh, um, researched methodology of testing these things versus Johnny is an amazing student and I highly recommend him. Uh, like, do, do you see potentially like getting rid of, of some parts of, of an application process? This is a fantastic question. Um, the medical school community is talking about this as well. In fact, someone, uh, it was also talked about uh, by advisors at a recent conference I attended. I was in that session. Ah, that's That was a good right. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think, this is a question that, unfortunately, I don't know the answer to. Yeah. Um, but I do think that it's a really hot topic amongst the community, and the community really needs to give um, significant consideration to the admissions process of the future and making sure that it works well together to provide all the information that we need to know about students to identify folks who are prepared to learn in medical school and are prepared to grow into well-rounded doctors. Um, my hope is that... Um, we can do that and we can find tools that work really well together and are efficient so that we're not asking students to do more and more and more every year. Yeah. There are uh, unfortunately predatory test prep companies out there saying, hey, come come spend five thousand dollars. We'll, we'll prepare you for a Casper. Uh, I'm sure they're coming from for preview if they haven't already. Um Kelly, from from your perspective, from Altus Assessment's perspective, for Casper, do students need to prepare for Casper? Um, such a great question. Such a great question. I talked about this a lot in that same conference that we were all attending. Obviously, um, one of the things I, you know, and I find this such an interesting story is that uh, we've been working on Casper 
not to date myself too much, but for almost two decades. Um, and we launched it first in 2010. And right before it was launched for a single medical school in Canada, not that McMaster isn't just wonderful, but for a single medical school, there was a test prep company that popped up months before saying, we can tell you how to write Casper. And I thought, I can't tell somebody how to write Casper. And I created it, so I don't know how they're gonna do it. Um, and so the answer is, you know, unfortunately, there are the these test prep companies that exist out there. And we've done the data and we've dug into it. Um, and when we look at coaching, uh, like third party that you're paying for coaching versus things like our practice test, that's it's free and accessible. Coaching doesn't help you and in fact, can sometimes hurt you. Mm when you're completing Casper. So in fact, we've seen no increase in scores with third-party coaching, which is really important from a leveling the playing field perspective. And in fact, some misinformation that's out there. So our answer is, and I hopefully said this about 30 times during the session to the pre-health advisors, and this is my biggest piece I wanna share is, what we did see helping people, and it was a small amount, but still, is the free practice test, becoming familiar with the test format that you can complete as many times as you want. Uh, you can go through, you can be familiar with the timing, you can be familiar with the scenarios and what they look like. And doing that is going to be your best advantage. We also make sure that um, there's a get ready email when you sign up for your Casper test that you get with all of the tips and suggestions, any data that we have, because uh, we get more and more every year where we understand things you can do differently. So spending the full five minutes responding, um, you know, being sure to re- request your accommodations if you need them, making sure you turn on closed captioning if that's what you want. That's something you can try during the practice test. Doing all these things to remove those test day jitters and become familiar with the format is actually what's gonna set you up for success. The third party um, coaching prep, in fact, doesn't help you in any way. The data says like none at all and could in fact hurt you. So we have a fully staffed applicant support team, email us, you know, reach out. There's a webinar on our uh, Take Altus page. Take advantage of, of the free things that are out there because our goal is to level the playing field um, and create a more accessible uh, assessment for everybody. Um, and I want to just plug, if you have feedback or suggestions, we take those ser- very seriously in your exit survey. Yes, they're Canadians. They're very friendly. Just just tell them. Um, Dana, I, I know the AAMC for preview does have a, a full-length uh, preview exam with an answer key. How, how easy is that for students to, to go get and take and uh, when, when should they think about doing that in their process? Yep. So um, we also have a lot of free resources that are available to help students prepare for the test. Um, it sounds like they may be similar to what Kelly just described. I would say we have two categories of resources. One is a set of resources that tell you what to expect on test day. Um, some students are really familiar with what it's like to take an online secure exam and others are not. And so from our perspective, it's really important for students to know what to expect that day so that they have a smooth test experience and they're feeling confident going into the test. So if they go to our website, the preview website, they can um, access a lot of free materials around how to how to be um, familiar with what to expect and how to prepare to interact in that um, online environment. So for example, um, you can look at um, all of our policies around test day, you can see the equipment requirements, you can even watch a video about what it's like to interact with an online proctor. 
Um, and then the other type of, of resources we have are more along the lines of what you mentioned, Ryan. And so those are materials that help you prepare for the content of the test. So in that vein, we have some materials. We have a preparation guide that walks students through the steps that they might take mentally to get themselves ready. So thinking about our core competencies and those definitions, um, thinking and reflecting back on their prior experiences and how those may have informed their thinking and their development around those competencies. And as you mentioned, we also have that full length practice exam that has keys and rationale. And our advice there is to take it, score it, think about your rationale for why you selected a particular effectiveness rating and read about how that's similar or different um, than what the stated rationale is. Yeah. And if we think if, you know, if you're doing all of those things, we think you're setting yourself up for success on test day. Awesome. Uh, let's go ahead and open it up to some Q&A, see what some students have to ask about Casper and Preview. McKenna asks for Q&A later. Why do you think that some people score highly on Casper and low on preview and vice versa? I've seen this a lot um, where students are like, "Uh oh, I did well on one and not on the other. I mean, the most obvious potential for me is like one, you, you knew the right answer. Uh, and potentially that helps you with preview, but you couldn't explain why you had the right answer, which maybe meant that you did poorly on, on Casper. Dana, I'll throw this one out to you. Um, just, Obviously, without being a Casper expert, what what's potential thought process of why one would score well on one and not the other or vice versa? Well, you, re you read my mind. That's what I was going to start with. We'll yeah. have to make sure we see what Kelly says on this one, too. <laughs> um, you know, from my perspective, I think the two tests measure different things. Mm -hmm. I think that um, the AAMC preview exam is really focused on knowledge of effective and ineffective behavior in those core competency areas. And we've chosen a methodology that allows us to really hone in on that. Um, and um, we'll hear from Kelly in a minute, but I think I think because of the difference in what's being measured in the format, it's not surprising that there are some differences in folks' test scores. Yeah. Kelly, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very similar to Dana, maybe not surprisingly. Um, the formats are different of the test, so you can't expect to score the same. Even though they're they're looking at similar things, um, it, it, they're not measuring exactly the same things. So I think one of the things, you know, and I just I'll go back to exactly what Dana and I said is looking through and practicing for the test that you are going to be writing, um, you know, and just making sure you're not you know, you're thinking about, do I need to explain it when I'm writing on Casper, et cetera. I think there could be a lot of variety of different reasons, fun research question actually. Um, but just to highlight, you know, again, one is not necessarily a silver bullet. These are data points that go together. Um, and just to highlight, you know, if you end up in that lower quartile in Casper, that does not sink you. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak for the WMC because I don't I want to, but <laughs> for Altus, um, you know, just to remember that that doesn't sink you. And so thinking through and just using these as data points that put you together because we're encouraging medical schools to use these as data and to use them to pull in other information. So, um, you know, just to reinforce and support you as you because it can be confusing. Yeah. As you're looking through this. Awesome. 
All right, next question. And and just a, a fun tidbit, Pre- why preview is capitalized P-R-E is because P-R-E is a, a like an acronym inside of a word, professional readiness exam. Um, so just random knowledge out there. I don't know why. Um, Cam one cast 11. When is the optimal time to take? All right. So this is a great question. Um, uh, my general answer to this when students ask is it's kind of, I, I kind of consider it part of the secondary application process almost. What, what are your thoughts on, on when the best time to take Casper, best time to take preview uh, in terms of when you can actually take it? And then I'm going to add on to this question. Um, how many times can you take it? How long is the, the answer or the, the test good for? Kelly, you want to start? Yeah, yeah, I'll start. Um, so my encouragement and my advice is to take it as early as, as possible for you and your schedule, because when you sign up for Casper, so if you sign up, you know, for the first test dates um, available early in the in the spring, then you may say, oh my goodness, something's happened in your life and you need to reschedule, which you can do. You just go on the site, reschedule. There's Uh, You know, it's a very easy process. And so it gives you that flexibility rather than delaying it when all of a sudden you can't take it because something has come up. You're not feeling well that day, something else in your life. So recommendation is always to plan earlier and take it earlier. Your score itself is good for that one application cycle year. And the rationale for that is your scored relative to the other applicants that are applying. Um, but also the test evolves. You know, every year as we get data, we're trying to not only improve the, the test itself, but we're doing things that we think are actually beneficial to applicants. So, for example, we had great feedback from applicants that said, uh, I don't want, uh, I want closed captioning, but it used to be an accommodation we provided for the videos. Now it's accessible to everybody. So we want to make sure it's an apples to apples comparison for what we're doing. Um, And so that's why you take it once and only once, uh, and then it's good for that application cycle. But uh, taking it as early in the year as possible with, of course, the understanding that if your life is crazy and hectic at that point in time, think about your stress level overall Mm -hmm. and when is the best time for you to take it. Yeah. Uh, and then Dana, time to take it. When when are students available to take it? And then how many times can you take it? It's like the MCAT where you take it up to seven times in a lifetime or whatever. Yep. Um, so my advice is similar around when to take. You know, I think that students should take the test when they're ready, when they feel like they're prepared. Um, but in general, taking it sooner in a given testing year makes sense for the preparation reasons that Kelly described. And also because um, medical schools often want to have um, scores earlier in their review process. And so if you're able to test in the spring or the early summer, your scores are more likely to be in front of their, their committee earlier. So those are two kind of practical reasons or practical things to think about when you're scheduling. Okay. Um, with the preview exam being a, a relatively new exam, we're still learning and developing some of our policies. So right now for this year, the policy is that you can test only once within a testing cycle. So right now, this is the 2022 testing year, and it runs from uh, June through October. You can only test once during that period. However, you can test year over year. So if you were to come back next year and um 
you know, maybe this year you're just testing for fun. <laughs> Next year you actually apply. You can, it's up to you. And it's up to the medical schools to which you apply, whether or not they want you to retest or whether they would like to honor your scores from the prior year. Because we use that um, rating scale format that we've talked a lot about, we have an opportunity to um, um, report scores year over year. And the score means the same thing, whether you test in June of 22 or July of 2023. So um, that is you know, another benefit of that approach. And it, we think that that helps students um, and gives them the choice as to whether they think they need to test again. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a good benefit. And Dana, I think you and I have different definitions of fun. If people are taking these tests for fun, <laughs> Dana and I are assessment people. We have a slightly skewed perspective of fun. Bunch of nerds. Um, <laughs> Deborah asks, "Where's the reliability and validity data published? Does predictive data exist on how scores correlate with particular outcomes, like patient satisfaction scores, or academic or clerkship?" clerkship success. I, I have said for a long time, right, the gold standard of, of all of this data, MCAT, GPA, uh, now preview Casper, it, in, in my mind is patient outcomes, right? If we're training physicians to, to get through medical school, to do well in residency, all this fun stuff, the gold standard should be to follow these people for a long time. That's really hard to do. Uh, and so I, I doubt we have any any good data that that shows patient outcomes in that way. But um, I'll throw it out to both of you. Where where is some of this data published that shows that Casper is good for medical schools to use? That Preview will be and and continues to grow um, in its validity to help medical schools pick the best students possible. Kelly, uh, why don't you go ahead and start again? Sure, absolutely. Um, so first and foremost, if you go to takealtis.com, all the data is there. Um, it's done in a digestible way. There's lots of blogs and understanding. Um, if you ever want to dig deeper into that, not only can you attend our webinars that we host, because uh, there's researchers on there to ask lots of questions, but you can also email our applicant support team if you have questions on any of the specific data, which is really, really important. Um, when we look at the data, there's two factors that you mentioned. So you mentioned reliability and you mentioned validity. And they're separate but related things. So you have to have reliability Otherwise, you can't have validity. Um, and so reliability just for every because everybody wants a stats lesson, right? Um, in the afternoon on a Friday, I feel, don't we all? Um, reliability is your ability to consistently differentiate between applicants. So to tease apart the high and the low performers. Um, and when you're talking about high stakes test taking, which I would argue admissions is high stakes for applicants and programs. Um, you want it to be above that 0.7 threshold. Um, the Casper data shows on average, we're in that 0.85 to 0.9 range for reliability. So really important, we're hitting those high stakes levels that we want. When we talk about predictive validity, what's important to understand too, in addition to the complexity of the longevity of it, um, is, is a couple other things. So there's a lot of noise that happens because it's not just that you apply to medical school and then you're serving patients. There's a whole bunch that happens during your medical school training that is influential 
in how things do, but it also is influential in that schools measure different things. There's not as much consistency across schools when we're looking at it. However, we do have good data out of medical schools that when you use CASPER in addition to GPA and MCAT, CASPER adds in your ability to predict getting honors in clerkship, for example. CASPER above GPA and MCAT actually predicts for your ability to match successfully to residency. CASPER, when you look at the data, uh, can decrease the, the use uh, or the implications of, of professionalism incidents and formal remediations um, going into residency. It's Canadian data, but I'm going to share it with you because it's one of my favorite studies. Canadian licensing exam, a little bit different than the USMLE, um, still a two-stage examination. We used to have something called the CLIO and PHILO, which is the culture, communication, legal, uh, population health, organizational uh, components of the exam. When you do well on the CLIO and PHILO components of the exam, it shows good professionalism out into practices rated by uh, patients and also good peer reviews. And what we saw is that CASPER over MMI, over GPA, and over MCAT predicted for performance on that component of the licensing exam. So again, that's the type of data that we're looking for to help us understand, A, you know, are we on target? Are we able to tease apart? That's our reliability. But our predictive validity evidence, and again, you know, it's, it's evidence that we're collecting over time to help us better and better understand not just how Casper is doing, and I think that's important, but how does Casper give you that holistic picture? So when you look at Casper, MCAT, and GPA, does that tell you more about somebody's success in medical school or residency than any one of those things alone? Because you're not just your MCAT when you go into residency. You're all of these things combined. That's the point of the holistic is that you're all of these things. Yeah. So you want to study how Casper adds to that. Yeah. And, and I, I love that because then it's it's potential actionable data for the medical school to say, we really love this student. And we know based on on all of this data that we're collecting from Casper, from Preview, from wherever, that they're going to need a little bit more help when it comes to matching. And we're going to start working on that now. Uh, that's that's great data to have. Dana, uh, obviously, uh, Preview being newer, uh, again, kind of in its third year now in use with medical schools. Um, data, is in any data published to, at this point? And if it is, where where can students go find that? Yep. Um, so we all, because we're a new test, we don't have um, data f in terms of operational use from the schools that are using it over the last couple of years. But what we do have is um, data from a study that was began in about 2017, where we worked with um, eight different medical schools and we followed their students throughout their four or five years of medical school. And we looked to see how preview scores predicted their performance in medical school. And what we learned from that study, similar to what Kelly just described, is that scores on the preview exam do in fact predict students' performance in medical school as rated by faculty who work with them closely. So we see, for example, that students who um, scored well on the preview exam were more likely to be judged by their supervising faculty as having demonstrated higher levels of cultural competence or higher levels of social skills, um, higher levels of teamwork, and so on. Um, those studies continue as we continue to try to um, do those analyses as students have wrapped up their uh, fourth or fifth year of medical school. 
In addition to that work, we're working with the schools that began using Preview uh, over the last couple of years, and we'll be following their students as they progress through medical school as well, and we'll be sharing those data. Um, in terms of where to find the results of the study I just mentioned, you can look at our website, of course. We have all of those results made available through PowerPoint and webinar recordings that are all posted there. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out is we use a comprehensive approach when we're trying to establish the validity case for our assessment. And here's my little stats tutorial for you as well. Um, validity means that the test, we have evidence to show that the test measures what it purports to measure. And we can collect that evidence in a lot of different ways. One way we do that is by looking at how the scores on the test predict performance. Another way we do that is by looking to make sure that the content of the test is actually relevant to what is covered and what is important in medical school. And that's another way that we demonstrate the validity of the preview exam. We work with those medical school folks to look at all of that test content and to look at that key to um, verify that it's all relevant and critical uh, for success in medical school. Dr. Dana Dunleavy, Dr. Kelly Dore, thank you so much for joining us here at MappedCon to share your thoughts on your uh, respective tests, Preview and Casper. Hopefully students understand the tests a little bit more, uh, that they aren't just torture chambers out there for pre-meds, that they actually are trying to do something to help the students uh, and help the medical schools pick the best applicants possible. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing everything that you all know. Thanks for having us and good luck everybody in your applications and as you prepare. Thank you everyone, best wishes. This is MedEd Media.